My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 174 of Legally Clueless. Thank you for rocking with this podcast. Over 150 episodes, that's huge. If this is your first time, uh, clearly you have very many episodes <laughs> to catch up on. But welcome nonetheless. Head over to www.legallycluelessafrica.com to be part of our community, to find out more about our workshops. And our first ever event is coming up. I'll give you more details on that a little later in this episode. But first, listen to this. Because now my high school, I don't know what happened to my mom, but she started drinking. Don't forget, we didn't have a lot of money, so she'll spend all the money we had on alcohol and then when she could not get the money she started doing changa. I was left in Nairobi with my dad born sister and my younger brother and my alcoholic mom. When she was not drinking she was amazing. When she was drinking it was another thing. We're just sitting in her mom's uh, grocery kibanda chopping skumas and these two acrobatic guys who are friends with us came and they're like you girls if you want you can come practice with us. That's how I got into fitness like I've never been physically active hey, the following morning. I I woke up and I thought I had a fever and these guys came the following morning we couldn't walk it's not like how you go to the gym and the following we couldn't walk like everything was hurting then we started like really making real money with performing art I completely know that feeling <laughs> of exercising one day and then you wake up the next day and hey your body is not yours it is not yours in fact that's how I end up quitting the gym after going there once I blamed the instructor I was like I don't think he knew what he was doing <laughs> When in reality, it was just me being completely out of shape. Anyway, that is Catherine's story. And you're going to be listening to that powerful, inspiring, hilarious at some point story a little later in this episode, as well as how Catherine is quickly going to become a member of our Legally Clueless community. Okay, before we get into that, let's check out the song of the week. I really like this song. I really do. I do not know the lyrics. <laughs> and it's so super new that the lyrics aren't out yet. So I'm probably singing my own nonsense, but there's something very nice and like I don't know like inviting about the song so it's off of Burna Boy's latest album and the name of the song is Roller Coaster it features J Balvin I really dig this song I really do and I, I want to know if you do too so how's about you check it out head over to the show notes or just check out Roller Coaster by Burna Boy on YouTube but I've put a link to it in the show notes to make it easier for you <laughs> okay, before we jump into the big news that I have for you, I wanted to share something that's been occurring to me over the last couple of weeks, probably even months. I just didn't have the words to put it into to share it with you, but I think I have the words now. And it has everything to do with abundance. So I, especially when it comes to my relationship with money, it's quite jaded. It's quite influenced by a lot of trauma and a lot of fears. And so that can be quite limiting, even when it comes to something like investing. I'd rather like hold my money and just like not let go of it at all because I then start feeling like, and it's not even a fear of losing money. It's the meaning behind that. So it means I would have to rely on somebody else. It means I would have to be vulnerable with somebody else. It means I think I even gender it in terms of like, I never ever want to ask a man for money ever. And when I have that mindset, what happens is fear is leading the way and not a lot of creating, even in terms of my business or just in terms of like doing things for me happen because fear just inhibits that. And I've just started to keep telling myself that everything you need to be your best self is seeking you. And so my job is to put my head down and do the work. It's to be smart about my money. It's to be less fearful and to interrogate why do I attach certain meanings to money and then separate what's true and what's false there. So the end goal is to ensure that fear, the fear of not having doesn't paralyze my mindset and doesn't lead 
it can be there in the background because I feel a little of it is not too bad, but it can't govern everything. It can't be the leader of holding us back from creating things or from making any decisions because fear will just not let you do that. And so it's to come into the space of creating things, to come into the space of making financial decisions with a mindset of abundance. I really hope I've captured it in those words. I really hope you understand. And I'd love to hear from you. So feel free to DM or even email podcasts at adelonyango.com if you have difficulty when it comes to your relationship with money. I'm in that phase and it's something I'm trying to work through both myself and with my therapist. Yeah, I'd like to hear if am I the only one who's 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 having these these strange issues, okay? Anyway, let's move on to some good news. So, Legally Clueless Africa is having its first ever event. Yay! I am so proud and so terrified. But again, he is not leading us. I'm I'm just so proud. I'm just so happy because first, because I finally cracked it. You know, initially, do you remember before COVID, we were meant to have a storytelling event, which I mean, I've not completely deleted. Like that can still definitely happen. But I just felt like, oh, it wasn't exactly what I wanted. The more I mulled over it during the pandemic, I want this space to be a community where we leave feeling fuller. So whatever you interact with on Legally Clueless Africa, I want you to leave feeling fuller. You know that feeling you get when you listen to a story and it inspires you or you feel less alone? Mm -hmm. Or when you watch the video series or when you watch the tour series? That's what I want from our workshops and events for you. I mean, yes, we can have events to have fun and we can definitely have fun while we're becoming fuller. But I just want the fullness seeking to be the guider, you know, the first thing you get from my events and I'm very happy that we cracked it. So our first event is a yoga well-being event and this is for women who want to process trauma or some difficulty or stress that we've been through. And the reason that this is important is when we think about trauma and how we process it, A lot of the time we focus on processing trauma in how it has affected or influenced our minds. Forgetting that trauma actually also rests in our physical bodies. I remember going for a massage with an actual massage therapist at a point when I was super stressed, super exhausted, emotionally drained and crying after the massage. And, you know, I had like a session, like a speaking session with her afterwards. And she was like, you're going through something emotional. The fatigue, the stress is not a physical one. It's not a work one. She's like, you are navigating something on an emotional level. And I remember that moment remembering that, yeah, stress, trauma, all of these difficulties we go through or we experience actually do sit somewhere in our bodies, but we never process that. And so this is one of the things we're going to be doing in this yoga well-being event that I want you to come for. And the two yogis who are going to be taking us through it are two fantastic African women Catherine, whose story you're going to listen to a little later, and Julie. So three things are going to happen at this yoga well-being session. There's going to be body movements. Of course, you have to come in very comfortable clothes. And when I say this, don't get scared because you've never experienced yoga before. No, it's going to be very beginner friendly because yours truly (laughs) is very stiff. So if it's going to work for me, it's going to work for you too. So that's one thing. The second thing we're going to do is meditation, which I think is something very exciting, but also very necessary to learn and to do. And then the third thing is probably my favorite. We're going to have sharing circles. So you can bring some writing material, a notebook where you journal and It's just going to be a moment for us as a group to reflect on the things we're going through, reflect on our feelings. It's a very intimate event, only 20 spots. So that means you need to get your tickets really quick. So the details, 
This Yoga Wellbeing event is going to be on the 6th of August from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. here in Nairobi. We're going to provide lunch as well. Tickets are 4,000 bob. And if you go to www.legallycluelessafrica.com and you check out our events, there's more information there. So once again, it's 6th August, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. We're going to make sure you have some nice hearty lunch. We're going to do body movement, meditation, sharing circles. I Even just saying it is like so exciting. <laughs> it's so exciting for me. Yeah, so just go to legallycluelessafrica.com for more information on how you can get your tickets. Very, very limited event because of the nature of it. It has to be intimate, so only 20 spaces are open. So in the lead up to that, I want you to get to know one of our yogis. Her name is Catherine and her story is so inspiring. And really it's about how yoga saved her and her mom's lives. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. My name is Catherine Njeri. You can call me Catherine or you can call me Njeri. It's fine. And I'm from Nairobi, Kenya, but I was born in Muranga. I grew up in Karibangi North. It's like next to Korokocho and Korokocho is the second biggest slum in Nairobi. No, actually in Kenya. In Kenya, yeah. After Kibera, I grew up with a single mom. I'm the firstborn of my family for the longest time, but along the way, we, I kind of gained an older sister. Same age, but a few months older. And we are now six in my family, so I have the, the sister that I grew up with that we kind of adapted, and then five for my siblings. So four sisters, one brother. When you're growing up in Karibang, you don't, you think it's normal. So I kind of thought it was normal. I, uh, my mom was a single mom. Early in life, she was all good because she'll go do vibarua with, and we'll go to bed like maybe without a meal. Like having two meals a day was a normal thing. So growing up, that was normal because it wasn't. It was happening around the, with everyone. And I know if we didn't have food, we could go to our neighbor and they'll share. If our neighbor didn't have food, they'll come to our place. Which, by the way, should not be normal for a kid. <laughs> like like no kid should grow up without like at least three meals in a day. Uh, so and I went through my primary school nice and well. I I will go all the way to Dandora because again school fees. So we found the whichever was cheap and good school. My mom made sure we. Uh, she made sure we went to a good school, no, but that she could afford. So we went all the way to Dandora. So imagine from Karibangi, I'll walk through Korokocho, and then to Dandora for my primary school. Maybe for a kid, uh, 45 minutes, one hour. And I'm talking about walking through like the slums, like actual slums. And then uh, there was a, a, a river, Nairobi River, will cross the bridge. And then what's crazy is like as a kid, there's a bridge, then I could show a good bridge. But then there's these pipes. I don't know whether they're sewer pipes or wherever they were. But as kids, we decided to walk on, we will decide to not use the bridge, but we use the the pipes. Come to thinking about it now, that was crazy. But there was a bridge, but no one was supervising us. So we, we did that. So it was like between 45 minutes and one hour walk. So to school and back. I'll say early morning because it was a lot of kids. It was safer. But if you're late and you miss the group, that's, it wasn't as safe. Especially for a kid to be walking to school. And it's not safe for, not. I'm not saying like anyone will kidnap me, but there's a lot of like a... Uh, violence happening so you might witness a, a robbery you might witness a fight you know you might be caught in like two gangs fighting and also one day i was coming from school i think i was around uh, class seven so i was a little bit older in my teenagehood like 13 and i was stopped by a cop and they checked my bag and i'm like what did i do and i'm like what are they looking for and they're like they don't they don't answer you stop you go through your books and then I went, that's, I think, was the only one time I was afraid. I, I was afraid of the cops. I was stopped by a cop. And then uh, that was my primary, kind of, I think, I had a pretty good life yeah. in primary compared to my high school. Because now my high school, I don't know what happened to my mom, but she started drinking a lot. So she was drinking, like, you know, partying as a normal human or like a, a whatever people think normal partying is. But then she started really, really drinking and she became very addicted to alcohol. Don't forget, we didn't have a lot of money, so she'll spend all the little money we had on alcohol. And then when she could not get the money, she started doing changa. So the local brew that's 
very dangerous. And then uh, that was when I was in high school. And I had a small brother. Like, my mom started drinking when he was, like, two years. So you can imagine um, I'm a teenager, and then I have a, a sister who's, like, a year younger than me, and another sister, and then a brother who's, like, toddler. And I have a life to live. And then my mom will disappear for three days and we had no idea where she is. And we don't have a babysitter. And I have to go to school. My sisters have to go to school. It got so bad that my grandparents took my sister, my, my second born sister. And they're like, yeah, now you can deal with the rest. And I'm like, take the baby, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. But I, I didn't have so much understanding. So that's when I was going to form one. So my, my younger sister, who's the second born, went to live with my, my grandparents. And I, I was left in Nairobi with my third born sister and my younger brother and my alcoholic mom. When she was not drinking, she was amazing. Yeah. When she was drinking, it was another thing. Mm-hmm. I I kind of naturally know how to make people's hair. Like, I, I can do anything with your hair, like whatever you want me to do it naturally. Like, I didn't go to school for that. So I started doing hair when I was really young. So I did my sister's hairs. My mom will come and her friends will, you know, bring her, the kids. So I was making money by the time I was in Form 1 by doing hair. But in my young mind, I didn't know we needed to pay rent. So all I knew was like, get the, my kids, go to the Mutumba market, get our, our siblings uh, the best you know, clothes we can get mm-hmm. at the cheapest and feed them mm-hmm. where we will pay rent. So we got kicked a lot out of the houses a lot. So we moved houses because of rent. Still in Karibank, you just move to the next plot. You know, like <laughs> wherever, wherever my mom will go and like sweet talk, you just move into the next uh, uh, plot. So that was my high school, my whole high school. My mom was really alcoholic, and that's when I became really introverted. So I didn't talk to people. I had, like, two friends. I I think I was really a sad kid, yeah. a really sad. And I can say I did not get to enjoy my teenagehood because I was a mom. Yeah. You know, I was taking care of my siblings. Luckily, I was in a day school, and it was very close. So from walking 45 minutes, now I was just walking two minutes to my high school. <laughs> And uh, because my mom was away so much, or we didn't know when she will be back or if we even have food, my high school had a feeding program, but it was Gideri. So, and Gideri is a mixture of beans and maize. But then because it was Catholic supported, sometimes we'll get lentils, kamande. That was the best time we'll get. And sometimes they'll give us avocado. And I'm talking about like over 1,000 high schoolers. But it was that for the four years I was in school, over lunchtime. And then I'll eat lunch, and then uh, because there was this, I don't know what Jumuya is in English, but it's like a group, so for Catholic church, I'm not Catholic, but I grew up around Catholic, they have groups, these groups that uh, meet like different areas, mostly women, and these groups will be cooking our meals. So one time will be group A, next time will be group B, group C. And I used to know this mama from a group. So they'll rotate, I think, every three months. And then she introduced me to all these other mamas who are cooking, all these women who are cooking. And I'll go f- get my food, eat, and then take my dish back, and they'll serve me more food. I'll go af- at 4 p.m., pick my dish, and then bring my kids. Uh, sorry, not my kid, my siblings, the Gideri. Because I don't know whether, uh, you know, my sister managed to eat her lunch because she was uh, the, uh, in primary school. I don't know whether my brother was fed by our neighbors. I don't know if my mom was home. But most of the time, she'll be home. So that's uh, like how we survived high school. Uh, Gideri and me carrying some Gideri home. But I didn't carry all the time. Sometimes I'll be like the rebel teenager, like, not bringing... <laughs> you know, like... Uh, and then... Uh, I almost left high school in Form 3. I think I didn't go to, I missed school a lot because then my mom started becoming violent. Mm -hmm. So she'll come home drunk and then she'll like start yelling or hitting us and my baby sister was getting it the most and we'll run away at night. I think we slept in Matanga. What is Matanga? No, no, the disco Matanga. I don't, you know when somebody dies, especially in the slums, they don't have money to bury them. Mm-hmm. So we do this kind of harambe, but it's Matanga. So you go to Matanga and you changisha at night and dance. It's not safe for, the, for a teenage girl because then what happens is that uh, You'll go. I don't have money, and all, because all the money I have we, to make cooler, so I will. You go, and all the ladies will line up 
for like somebody who go like okay 10 shillings i'm dancing with you and 10 shillings i'm dancing with you it was all fun and all that but they you don't know who you're you know dance with you don't know whether they're bad person you don't know who will follow you when you go home because they, there was a lot of raping around especially gang raping around my neighborhood so if you go to disco matanga you really need to like find a crew find people who you know they'll take me home after when you're done because you know i ran away from my mom and now she's blacked out and i don't want to go back so i started missing school because her, my mom's biggest worry was making sure we go to school like she kind of found a way to pay school fees but and then so my punishment to her was not going to school like that was like i'm pan- i'm not going to school and i'll make sure you saw me i didn't go to school and then she'll be worried and that's like was my punishment to her and she'll she'll be good for a while and then she'll come back and do it again and then i'll miss school but that was crazy that like form 3 was my craziest year because of like you know being able to uh, sleeping out neighbors giving us somewhere to sleep i also like ran away and went to my sister to my aunt's place who was not a, a better person to be with she wasn't physically abusive but she was very emotionally abusive she'll make sure I, i thought she was the only person in the world who i can live with i think emotional abuse was worse for me than the actual physical abuse and you know this is my mom and my aunt i'm like who the hell are you um so and i also grew to become so defensive so everyone who was nice to me i thought they wanted something from me and i was like nope so i had like a protective layer around me and i was like i thought everybody was out to get me by the time i was in uh form four now it was worse for for, for my mom she wasn't even paying school fees uh so i finished high school uh form four with bursaries a lot of them people get like one every time but i'll go and clean like our um so they give bursaries to our elders village elders elders, yeah. elders our neighborhood but our elder was a woman so i go clean her dishes you know be nice to her i was like friends with her d- uh, granddaughters i'll tell her if my mom was drunk yesterday you know i'll just go and be really nice to her and she was nice so she used to give me like three bursaries that was enough for like two terms um and i finished my the last um, time i paid from my hairdressing things and i swear after i finish high school i'm moving out so how i grew up is like my whole life when i was growing up it was one room i'm not talking about one bedroom one room so it's a plot of a bunch like eight families eight families in eight rooms so we're talking about eight rooms and one bathroom that's how i grew up so that's there the bedroom is the kitchen is everything is there not TV definitely not TV and we have a toilet that all these eight families are sharing and we're taking a shower in there and we are so lucky if we even have a toilet because we have people who used to use our, our community toilets and i was like after i'm done with high school because there's no way i can live with my mom because i know after i'm done with high school it will just get worse i'll be responsible for all this i moved out with my now my adopted sister we moved out and then we moved into like a really tiny room for girls because i had friends who were going through the same for girls in a very small room our bed could not fit so it was mattress wall to wall and a stove kerosene stove we all stole uh we went to our houses and and still and he tells you so my friend went and took like two sufurias i i went and took took like a mutungi like a, for for water and uh spoons in there you know and then our house was fine so we have somewhere to cook and we have somewhere to sleep and i, I think that was the m- most proudest moment of my life like i felt like nimefika yeah. like i'm i'm independent i don't have to worry about if my mom will come at night drunk and hit everyone and i'm I was so happy but the whole time if you look at my story all i i cared about is like i'm and my siblings okay is everybody around me safe because i didn't even tell a lot of people growing up like i was going through the same because i'm like i don't want to bother you if you came to me you have a problem i'll help you and i knew i knew i wanted to do something for the community i knew like i, I wanted to do something for me because for the community but i didn't know what because I, i'm not exposed to anything like uh, my friends or people who are older than us all they think about is like dressing up nicely and uh all the men in a, a majority of the men were robbers or thugs and uh, like the role models were like when you grow up i just want to get married to the you know the baddest boy in the neighborhood or i want to be like the, the baddest girl in the neighborhood and who can fight and you know who can protect herself which is crazy because those are not role models that 
we're supposed to, but we didn't have like positive role. We had role models, not positive mm-hmm. role models. Uh, and I knew I was like, ah, I wanted to do something for the community. I wanted to do something for Kariobangi, but I didn't know what. So after high school, now what? You left your house, you don't have a job, <laughs> you don't know what's next. We have two sufriers and a mattress and four girls in like this tiny house. Yeah. You know, I'm the only one, you know, doing hair. The the sister that I, I say we adopted her mom. Her mom is still there. Mm-hmm. We adopted her after her dad her died. Uh, used to sell uh, skumawiki kale, mm-hmm. vegetables. So we will go to her mom's place and chop the vegetables for the customers. And she'll feed us. Mm-hmm. No, not give us money, like feed us. <laughs> and so how my life changed was one day. This is after high school. We're just sitting in her... Uh, her mom's a grocery kibanda, chopping skumas. And these two acrobatic guys who are friends with us came and they're like, you, you girls, if you want, you can come practice with us. Yeah. You know, don't just sit here and, you know, chop your skuma. Come, let's, let's go practice with us. And the mom was like, yeah, really annoyed with us. Yeah, go do something. Like, you know, like the mom is like kicking us. Like, I'm spending too much money yeah. on you girls. You go. Um, so the following morning, we're like, okay, let's go. And that's how I got into fitness. Like, I've never been physically active. PE, I was like watching people do PE. I was the cheering person who, like, you know, like, if you're doing anything, I'll just sit and watch. And then one day, like, when I'm like 18, almost 19, I go into an acrobatic workout. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, what's, what can go wrong? Oh my God, Adele, hey, like the the farthest I've been, like I think the only time I ran, I was running. It was when something I was in danger. And now I'm in this public hall. So the good thing about Kariobangi and I think a lot of slums, we have community halls. They're really nice, like city council halls. They make them, and you can use it for free. Nice. We went there. It was just two girls, me and my my friend, or this a bunch of very fit guys. They're doing like somersault. They're doing handstands. Like I don't know. They they they're carrying five people on top of them, and we like never worked out. And we did so much workout. We did like aerobics. We started with like jogging around the hall, and then we did aerobics, and then we did like stretchings. We did like we were crawling under the branch benches. We were jumping over. Jump, we were doing handstands. We were stretching in crazy ways that I've never, you know, stretched. And as a beginner, and because, like, I, I was excited, you know, like, I don't know what happens the first time I did it. I was so excited. I was doing everything, and I was happy, and I was calling the guys, the two guys who took us, they're like, Ebuona, look at me, look at me, like, doing push-ups. Obviously, they were, I, think, I know they were horrible push-ups. <laughs> I thought I was killing it. Hey, the following morning, I, I woke up, and I thought I had a fever, and now by now, so this is what happens. So we moved to that tiny house. And then my sister, who was uh, my second born, our second born, got a baby when she was in high school. So the end, by the time we're getting to form four. So she had a baby at home. I, I leave her, her home. And then we had to come back home because now she had to go back to school. And now her daughter have no one to watch her. So we, we had to move out of the tiny house. We, we didn't move. like We kept paying rent because we knew... Like, as soon as my mom got home, yeah. we, she, it's her time to take care of her granddaughter. So we moved back to my mom, with my mom. And now because she had uh, now my brother and the granddaughter, she, she found a work. And she was kind of stable. She was still drinking, but she had a work. She was going to work. And this guy, so when we came back from workout, we slept at my mom's. And this guy, guys came the following morning. We couldn't walk. I, and I'm not joking. Like, it's not, it's not like how you go to the gym and the following. We couldn't walk. Like, nothing, everything was hurting. Even, even like nails. Like, everything was hurting. I couldn't go to the toilet. Like, I was in so much pain. Like, we, were, we had fever. Mm-hmm. And the guys were like, if you come back, you will feel better. But we're like, we couldn't walk, so we can't come back today. And they're like, okay, come back tomorrow. It was still worse, but we went back the following day, and then we kept going back because uh, we didn't go. We went back, and then it got better. We were no longer in, like in so much pain, and then we kept going back because we're like you just need the pain to go away, and we kept going back, and we kept. And then a few other girls from because we we went to Madare. Now that's like another 
20 minutes walk away from or 30 minutes walk from Karibangi. We were doing our workout in Madare. I don't know. I think because a lot of acrobats were there. Mm-hmm. We have halls in Karibangi, but we went in Madare. And other girls from the neighborhood had there these two girls who are doing acrobatics. And then they came, and all of a sudden, our, our friends from Karyobangi were like, oh, you go to, ac- to do acrobatics? We're going to join. By the time we were like one month in, we had like seven girls. And that's what, that's what all we needed to form an, an acrobatic group. And then after we were seven, so these guys who took us became our official trainers. And uh, they formed a, a group called Ghetto Girls Acrobats. And I was the group leader. And I, a lot of people were like, don't call yourself the Ghetto Girls Acrobats. You know, when you say the ghetto, people say the ghetto. And I'm like, yeah, all they hear when they see the ghetto, all they hear is all the negativity. They need to hear the ghetto and see something good. Mm-hmm. And like, we're going to show the positive side of the ghetto. So we didn't drop the name. We were called the Ghetto Girls Acrobats. We were performing and uh, Sarakasi founders, Sarakasi Trust founders. And we started now training with Sarakasi at the go down. But then they were at the go down before they moved to Ngara. Then we started like really making real money with performing art. Uh, and as girls, we were really popular. We used to perform like at the showground every year or Women's Day. Anything to do with women, anything to do with men, <laughs> any events happening around. Uh, we would perform and then we yeah we we moved into like a big not a bigger house but a nicer now we could have a bed so now we still the four girls acrobats we we all moved together and uh, some girls decided to be living on their own we could we could afford but when i say we could afford we are making like uh, four thousand a month which was a lot of money like i know because i used to pay my rent pay my food and buy food for my mom and then uh, in 2007 there was a post-election violence. So now I'm a full-time acrobat, like one year into acrobatics. And uh, with Sarakasi Trust, we formed a, a circus called Amani Circus. And then uh, with Amani Circus, there was a lot of people who were displaced by the war. Mm-hmm. So the government created the IDPs. We started performing in those IDPs. So we'll do to we we'll go to like a, a camp and then uh, we will perform. So we had acrobats, we have drummers, uh, we had singers. We had dancers, and then we had uh, all of a sudden we have this yoga teacher, and I, I'm like, okay, we, as an acrobat, I thought I was doing something for the community that I really wanted because we used to do performances in Karibang, like freak performances. We'll gather people, like uh, some organization will be like we are we're doing like a crime people movement project, like no crime movement or stop gender based movement, and then we we'll go perform for free, and people were loving it. We were popular. Like now, like when I was growing up, I was kind of a bad girl. Uh, I was the kind of a girl because I was so protective and so I was really rude. So I was the kind of girl that all the parents told their kids, I don't want to see you with Njeri. No, it's Conan and Jerry. Like she's bad influence, she's bad news, don't go near her. And then, because also like, don't forget when you, my mom used to kick us out of the house, nobody knew she was kicking us. So they thought I would sneak out and go to Matanga, you know, to, which is a, a very naughty thing to do. Like it was like, the, you're now a bad, you're very indisciplined. So like Anendanga Matanga, I don't want to see you with her. But then now I'm doing acrobatics and now my, the moms are calling, hey, take my daughter with you. You know, now I'm becoming like really popular, like in a good way. Like all these, like all the girls wanted to be around us. All the moms were using us as, you know, good examples. See, she turned her life around. You should be like, ah, you take my daughter, take her to Sarakasi, do this, do this. And we were, I'm, I was laughing. I was like, I made it. I made it in life. This is me. This is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And then I met this yoga teacher in this camp. Like, I think we were somewhere, either Karura or somewhere near Nakuru. I can't remember. It was very traumatic time of the war. Because I remember we had to go with security or something. It was hard. And we got into the camp. You get into the camp, so the tent was round. And those were, the, those were like a big space at the center. And then you went into the camp, and there's so much tension. Don't forget we're also afraid because we, 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 we are strangers. And strangers are not good, especially when there's war. We don't know what's going to happen. And then you walk in, there's so much tension in the camp. You can see the groups. Group over there, group over there, group over there. You know, you can see people are keeping to themselves. And then we start performing, they have to come and see. And as acrobats, they watch and they're happy. They're like, magic, magic, hey, was Chana. You know, they're happy. Dancers will dance, drama, singers will do. And then the yoga teacher, her name is Paige, will come and all of us 
everybody in the camp, all the performing artists will do yoga. So we formed a giant circle around and then we were doing yoga and there's this pose called mountain pose and you go like mountain pose you know and we do mountain pose and they're like okay turn your palms out touch your palms to your neighbor and you'll touch your palms to your neighbor with no care like you don't care what tribe this person is you don't care whether you found them in the camp or you're there or your friends you just touch hands and i was like you know doing yoga and i'm like i think this is what i want to do like whatever she's doing because yes as an acrobat i'm only entertaining but as a yoga teacher the community is participating, they're doing it. And it feels good, like we all left laughing, there was laughter, the mood is lighter, there's chit-chat in the camp by the time we are leaving, they're like, come back again, you know, they want us to come back again. And I'm like, ah, whatever she's doing, I want to do it. But I, we, I didn't tell anyone, we just went back home talking about, ah, you know, we should do that yoga thing. But then it wasn't just us who were thinking, like it wasn't just me who was thinking, I want to do yoga. It was also like another acrobatic group that was like, Paige, we need, you need to teach whatever you taught yeah. at the camp you need, we need to know what you're doing actually she was in kenya volunteering with sarakas as a, a yoga teacher when the violence happened my kind of second class i took was hers my first class i didn't know i was doing yoga so like <laughs> my second class i did was with her and then uh, a lot of them during the circus but i also didn't do the whole circus we were not official uh circus uh people in the, the, the money circus because we were training to go to netherlands so like my first uh travel was with acrobatics and i i went to netherlands like i was performing in netherlands I, first of all we told everybody in kariba kariba is not that big <laughs> Kariwang is not that big. It's very small, actually. Like, when people hear Kariwang, they're like, no, it's very small. And safe now to, to live in. We told everyone, oh, we're going to Netherlands. When we went for our passport, we were like, we got our passport. And everybody, it's like a, it was like a community win. You know, we I mean, know like uh, other acrobats uh, have traveled, but not girls, not us. It was like a young generation traveling. And we went to the airport with like two matatus like two public buses that's like uh maybe 2008 yeah because it was the uh, yeah the end of the war 2008 it was amazing at the airport we were having fun hey we we, we enjoyed our trip we performed we were performing like every day for like five days a week we go to see netherlands we go to travel around amsterdam rotterdam but it was a long time ago, I don't remember so many places. You know, just having to spend one month, it was one month with all the girls in this beautiful house, like apartment with like, we all have beds <laughs> and showers, hot showers. We don't have to do our laundry. And we like being treated like VIPs was really, really amazing. We got to perform and make money. And then we came back and uh, we moved. But don't forget, as a performer, you only pay, you don't have like a monthly pay. You get paid specific amount. When I came back, I was like, I have this money. My mom said say she needed a business. I opened a business for her. And then we moved into this house. But then we couldn't pay for it. But we were friends with Paige. And she was like, okay, you don't have to move to that house. Because again, security, now people know you have money. Yeah. Don't forget. So it's the same neighborhood. They're friends, but they know we have money. So it's no longer safe for us to, to stay there. We need like a safer house. We moved, same neighborhood, but a safer apartment. We moved in like two, two rooms, double rooms, and Paige was paying our rent. And then now uh, we, we continue performing. Uh, now seven girls in this house. And then we started having boyfriends. <laughs> but it was like, now it's time for me to date. And I'm talking about like, like 20, 21. I haven't dated. And uh, even the girls with us uh, like started dating now. And then uh, it was nice. It was good. It, like I was starting now to be a teenager, like at 20. <laughs> Crazy thing happened. My mom is still drinking. Now, now she stopped working. She drank all the money I gave her for the business. Yeah, she did buy everything. But then she'll sell, go drinks. Like we had a nice shop. She was selling like uh, plastics, like uh, karai, yeah. buckets, like all these things. And she was amazing. She'll sell, drink, sell, drink. So we never got anything from it. And she went back to drinking now full time. I'm working. And then she ended up being pregnant. I was furious. She won't tell you, just see a big belly and I'm like, oh. <laughs> are you pregnant? And also something I didn't say, my mom got me when she was really young. She was like 16. So by the time she was 21, she had three kids. So now that she, by the time she, my brother, she decided, my brother, she decided she, decided she wanted a kid. So I think that's when the, she was ready to have kids. 
when she was having my brother. But then she ended up drinking so much. So my sister, yeah, my, 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 now our last born was not planned at all. She didn't want to keep the baby and she was like, okay, I'm four months pregnant. I need uh, some money to have an abortion. And I was like, go get the dad to do it. I'm not, I'm not. And I was thinking, but I'm thinking if she have the baby, I'll end up taking care of the baby. You know, like uh, she doesn't have the job, but I, I was too stubborn. I'm like, no. And she ended up, uh, uh, she continued drinking, but she ended up having the baby. By eight months, she was like, huh? This baby is not going anywhere. I better get my act together. And then she started uh, stopping drinking. She had mad withdrawal. Yeah, like really, really, she got really, really sick. So she ended up having the baby like a few weeks earlier. And my sister was so tiny from, because my mom was not taking care of herself when she she was pregnant. She took her care of herself one month before the baby came. We were happy. We were, I was kind of happy. My baby, my baby sister was here. We were excited. And then uh, my mom stopped drinking because of the baby. We, we call her our miracle baby and I'm so happy she didn't go through with the abortion because she kind of saved my mom's life and our life. Because I was ready to cut my mom, I was like, as soon as my brother is old enough to take care of himself, I'm taking my brother, we're leaving Karibangi and she's never gonna see us. And then uh, she stopped drinking and she, she was a stay-at-home mom. She didn't have a job. I was supporting her, I was paying her rent. I was, uh, now I was performing a lot. I had uh, travel like I think to Senegal, to other places. I had constant income. And then in 2009, Paige brought a teacher and she was like, I'm having a, teacher, a yoga teacher training who want to sign up. Hi. I was the first. I was like, is this the thing we did at the camp? I'm signing up. Like I signed up for the uh, teacher training in 2009. But also, yes, I was excited. It was the thing we did. Like I could remember it was yoga. It was the yoga we did. But also it was at the coast. I've never been to the coast. Like never been to the coast. And even when we went to the Netherlands, I think that was like a league. I don't know what it was. It wasn't White Beach. But like now I'm going to Mombasa, you know, we call it Mombasa, even if I mean the whole coast, we're going to Mombasa. Yeah. The training was in Mombasa in this nice location, beachfront. This very famous teacher from the US came. It's completely free. It's on scholarship. We get on a bus, you're getting on a bus with your peer. You know, they're all like young people, everyone under 20. I think the oldest was, oh, we had older like guys, yeah. two of them, but majority were like, between 18 and 23. It was fun. And then, but then we went to the teacher training. And a yoga teacher training is, it brings a lot of stuff uh, because you, you're working out, you're using your body and you're talking to your people. There's questions that we get asked, like, what are your fears? What's holding you back? And we start sharing and go like, yeah, I don't have opportunities. In the, you, you don't know about the slums. There's nowhere to go. And then the teacher will go like, but you're here. And then you're like, Oh yeah, I've been looking at this thing. You know, like I'm saying there's nowhere to go, but I'm not there. I'm at the coast, like doing this training. There's so much, there's so many places to go. Like I've traveled. Like what am I what am I telling myself? Why why am I telling myself like going in the slums, there's nowhere to go. There's so there's somewhere to go. And I say that opened me up. Something I didn't realize was like growing up in Karibang, you just in Karibang. See, I'm go talking about Huruma, Madare, Karibangi, Dandora. You don't get exposed to other places so there's so much limit so like 500 is like your goal and then you you get out of that and maybe come to town and you see a phone and you're like oh i love this phone and this phone is like 2000 okay now i need to get 2000 then you go home and you work hard because now your goal is no longer 500 it's 2000 see now you get you you take more work and then you come by the phone, you know you have the radio. Because I'm talking when the phones were kadudus. You have the radio, you're listening to Kiss FM. And then they're talking about like uh, all these uh, festivals for artists that they're hosting. And I'm like, I want to go to that. Oh, it's a thousand for ticket. Okay, I need a ticket. We need a ticket. Let's let's go look for performance. And we started finding work. But and these are all things that happens after I did the yoga teacher training. I know like the acrobatics, I was exposed so much. But after performing, all I did was come back home. Then wait for the next performance. Come back home. Sit. With yoga, I remember, I think it's about that day. So first of all, I thought we'll be swimming the whole time. You know, do our yoga class and then go swim. Uh-uh. We saw the beach, it's over there. <laughs> because it's a 200 hour teacher training, you need to get 200 hours. And we only have like 10 days. So it was like 8 to 10 p.m. 
intense workout it's boot camp style so you do your yoga and then we do discussion sessions where we sit down and just talk those were the was the hard were the hard actually the physical is in hard the talking part is the hard because you get really be true true with yourself you you ask your question yourself questions that you don't want to, to be to answer anyone you know we journal you write i'll journal at night you know you'll cry writing <laughs> i hate i hate okay now i let go i let go judgment i let go <laughs> i take in acceptance you know like and the that day i was uh, uh this this pose it's a hip-hop and i called uh half pigeon now i know because now i'm really experienced yogi half pigeon uh, like we store a lot of emotions in our joints and especially with women we get to store all like the negative emotions on our hips and i remember we were on half pigeon and I was sobbing. I can't remember why I was crying. But I think I was like getting like a breakthrough. Oh my God. Why have I been blaming my auntie for, you know, for not supporting us when we were hungry and she has money? Why am I blaming our government for doing doing? Because I was blaming the whole world apart from me. And I, was, I wasn't doing anything about it. You know, I, was, I knew I was in a bad situation. I knew I needed to do something, but I wasn't. I was just sitting down waiting. Hey, Gavaina, Faifanya Kitu, you know. Oh, my grandparent has money. Why, why am I suffering? My auntie, she need to give us money, you know. And this politician, they need to give us money. And then I'm like, there's nothing I'm talking about myself. And then I was like, I need to accept my situation. In that half period, I was like, when I go back home, I'm teaching yoga. I know I was going to the chair training, but I haven't decided I'll teach yoga. And I'm going to a teacher training. It's like going to like a, a teacher's college, but you don't know whether you want to teach or not. And I was like, I'm going to go back home and I'm going to teach yoga. And I left that day feeling so light. I accepted my situation. I was like, yes. I grew up in Karibangi. That's my background. What can I take from that? I'm a performing artist and now I have yoga. Like I have two most powerful tools for any artist. Mm -hmm. Yoga and acrobatics. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm a woman also mm -hmm. uh, into fitness industry. I, what can stop me? Nothing. So I, I'll, after 10 days, we came back home with Paige. Now Paige has this like 40 young people from the slums. And we're all like, ah, when is our first meeting? I was like, okay. Where should we meet? Let's meet to Sarakas. Now Sarakas had moved to Ngara. We met at Sarakas on a Saturday. And then we sat down. Everyone, we made a plan. We're like, what's next? Because mm -hmm. now, yes, I've done the training, but I've never done yoga. I'm going to a community who have never heard about yoga. You know, people go like, oh, you know, afraid yoga is a religion. That one I had later. We're talking about like, no one knew about yoga, so they don't even know whether it's a religion or not. Like, You're talking yoga like yogurt. Uh, we met and... We made a plan and Paige was like, okay, so Paige is the founder of Africa Yoga Project. We'll get to Africa Yoga Project later. And we sat down as our teachers. Our teachers are like, okay, let's do this. Everybody for experience, go back, get into groups of three, teach three classes a week. So we got into groups of three. We went back and then we're like, okay, where do we teach? We started scouting for location. So we went to a school in Huruma because one of my group mates was from Huruma. We were like, we want to teach yoga. Okay. Come teach yoga. They're like, fine. And then we went to our community hall. We talked to the people in Karibanga. We're like, can we be teaching like a women's class here? And they're like, okay. And then we found more classes. And then I went back home and I'm like, who will be my student? I'm like, hmm, mom. My mom. And I was like, you are with your alcoholic friends. Come to yoga. And then uh, uh, she will bring her friends. So we decided to do it in the morning because by mid, at 2 p.m. they were drunk. So like, oh, so four. Uh, so not for 10 a.m. So see, I'm thinking in Swahili. So uh, 10 a.m. We meet and then we do yoga. Okay? Bring your friends. She's like, yes. And I'm like, because it will make me money. If I have money, then you, you have rent. Okay? Okay. She brought her friends. And that's how it started teaching women. And they were religiously every Tuesday of the week. Community hall. Everybody knew. Even boxers. If they were at the hall, they knew Tuesday niskia women and we'll do yoga we practice and the classes start growing we head down but it was just women my, that was my protest because with school you can only teach in the school we had other young kids coming we had girls our age coming and we had all these women coming i remember i started getting like a cancer patients and diabetic and we're like okay all we do we'll go like go back to pay like okay now i have somebody with cancer how do we do it and then we'll new research yoga for cancer yoga for diabetic and yoga for that and then any opportunity that had a training on any of these 
Paige will bring the teacher and we will all train that and do that. And I continue teaching community classes. And my mom completely stopped drinking. Yeah, she say a little bit of it is yoga. And I think a lot of it is yoga. <laughs> and my sister, obviously. And uh, um, when was it? Like in 2010, she moved back to Moranga. And now she's a farmer. Yeah, like... Uh, uh, I continued teaching yoga, and then in 2010, I had a baby, a yoga baby. So I met my baby daddy in the training. We were in love, and then we had a yoga baby. So like, <laughs> I had a yoga baby in 2010. And then I started teaching yoga. So can you imagine, like, uh, it was that complicated and simple. I started teaching yoga everywhere in Nairobi. So I, I, in 2009, I was teaching in Karibangi and then I expanded in like 2010. I was teaching at like a, a corporate office in Uziru for like the workers. And then I got a job with the UN. And then I was like, a, I, we had Africa Yoga Project as an, uh, a non-profit that trains youths for yoga teacher training. Like, I was everywhere, and I was good, and I had a baby, like I said. <laughs> By 2012, I was still teaching community classes. All these classes I'm talking in Huruma, Karibangi, those are free classes, so people come for, all these women were coming for free. Then Africa Yoga Project will pay a stipend to the teacher, so I was, I was getting, like, every two weeks, 2,000. So that was I mean, good. Um, I stopped performing completely because I'm like, I want to do full-time yoga. A full-time yoga teacher. And then uh, I moved from Karibangi in 2012. And for the first, even when I was making all this money, again, it's it's not it's not easy because I get so scared of judgment. So I just want to be comfortable with my people who understand me. So I was still living in one room, but not nicer, nicer, bigger, you know, bigger. At least now we have four eight families, four bathrooms. <laughs> so, uh, I moved for the first time in my life into a two bedroom. So from a single room, I didn't go to like bed sitter, one bedroom. <laughs> Which I should have, I should have done all that. My daughter was like one year and a half, I was living with her dad. You know, we were like one a small family. And the, and she was talking, by one year and a half, she was talking and running around. She, she, she was a very smart kid. We moved from Karibangi to Mlango Kubo. And I was scared for the past two months. Like I was so paranoid. I, I thought somebody was in my daughter's bedroom. You know, I'll check under the bed. I thought somebody was in the bathroom. I'll check. Like that's why I say like I should have slowly escalated. Like, you know, like, I don't know because I've never lived in a big house and I was so paranoid. Like what if somebody walks in? What somebody's hiding in this room? What somebody's hiding in this room? And then, um, my daughter was like the first day we were there because she's used like to neighbors, you know, yeah. all these houses have neighbors. She go like, <laughs> open the bedroom, one bedroom and go like, Hey nanny, and, like whose house is this? And they're like ours. And then she go to the kitchen. Nahi? And I go like ours. Yeah. And then she go to the cho. Oh, cho. And then she goes to the city. Nahi? Nahi? And, like she'll ask questions. It was amazing. It was, it was crazy. And then uh, in 2012, I did my second yoga teacher training. So now not the workshop, the teacher training for level two. And I did it in Mexico. Amazing, beautiful. Again, the beach. Akai, Maya, Maya Tulum. Ah, it was beautiful. And then uh, um, two years later, I did my level three. Now, after I did my level three, now I am qualified to facilitate. So I'm still working with the Africa Yoga Project as a yoga teacher, so teaching in the communities. And then I came back and I become, I created a position called empowerment coach. Because now we, I did my training in 2009. And then uh, in 2010, we trained a new group of teachers. Same with 2012. So all these teachers needed like feedback, guidance, all that. So I created a position where I was the empowerment coach. I'll come to your outreach classes, like now free yoga classes, help you with the setup as a new teacher, and then uh, give you feedback when you teach and go like, yeah, ABCD was amazing. You need to work on this. Mm -hmm. So I, I got a, a monthly payment. So I got a position uh, at the organization. After I did my level three, two, three months later, I, uh, I joined uh, another colleague who was already doing like uh, weekly sessions with the new teachers. 
just to get the methodology, get the philosophy of yoga, get into teaching, practice teaching. I joined him and every Wednesday we will meet. Now Africa Yoga Project moved from Sarakasi to Parklands and we'll meet weekly because now we have a community space and just teaching new teachers how to, you know, teach yoga and how to be in the world, how to teach privates, how to I mean, how to communicate and blah, blah, blah. So we kind of started like a mini academy and that evolved into a full-time academy. So by the time Julie was coming in, I was the director of teachers. So I was in charge of all trainings on the mat trainings happening on the organization. In 2013, I led my first training. So I'm the first woman in Africa actually to lead a 200-hour yoga teacher training, a first Kenyan woman in Africa. What? Yeah, to lead um, a 200 teacher training. I have done a lot of them in Kenya, Nairobi. Uh, we do both Nairobi and Amboseli. And then uh, I did one in Mombasa, and I have done in one in... Uh, Egypt. Yeah, it's crazy how all those, like, I think, like, as a kid, I didn't have this crazy goal of becoming a yoga teacher or being like a, an influential black woman and uh, see where I am right now. And, and I'll say what I've taken from all that is um, acceptance because the moment I accepted my situation, the moment I accepted, no one is coming to help me. And it's true, no one is coming to help you. You need to help, You need. it's you who need to go for things. Because the moment I accepted I needed to do something, then things started sh showing up for me. When I went to the UN, nobody cared how I came from Kurabwangi. But if you ask me, I'll, go, I'll never go to the UN. Oh, I'm from the slums. They don't want slum people there. But when you go there, nobody cares. They're, like, they're looking at you as their teacher and they're waiting for you to tell you. And I'm there telling all these diplomats, okay, everybody downward facing dog and they're doing it. Like, it's, I think it's the, the where you grow up and the exposure. Exposure is so important. Mm -hmm. Now I see like a lot of, like I, I still go back to Kariobangi and anytime we have an opportunity to take kids to Aboretum, you know, I see fellow yoga teachers taking kids to Aboretum, you know, if you have an opportunity to take them. You know, just go see the museum. And schools are doing that now. Like when I was growing up, we didn't go to trips. They're doing that. Exposure is so important. You don't, like, I think exposure, then experience. Because then after you expose, then you want to do it, then experience will do it. You will come. And that's why now uh, my, my passion is to share, especially with Kenyan youths and black women, Kenyan African women, my experience and how, the only way I know how to share my experience is through yoga. So I, the reason I'm into teacher training is because Africa Yoga Project gives scholarships to people like me. They come and do yoga and I can lead, I can teach them, I can tell them how to, you know, by the time we, we are graduating teachers, I'm so happy. I'm like, my, my purpose, you know, I'm, that's how I give back to the community. So um, we have a retreat coming up with the Legally Clueless community. It's a yoga retreat. What I haven't shared yet is like I also get in, into trauma-informed yoga because I realized even with my story, I went through so many traumatic events, but naturally I thought trauma events is like maybe being, I don't know, watching a murder or like I, I don't know i didn't realize like even physical abuse that we we say discipline is trauma mm -hmm. going home to bed without food it's traumatic growing around a very violent neighborhood you know it's trauma and i realized a lot of us have trauma so I get into trauma-informed yoga and uh, uh, for the retreat, we'll focus more, you know, on trauma-informed yoga. We'll uh, do a yoga session. We will meditate and then we'll do like a, a journaling session and talking and sharing with trauma-informed yoga. You don't share about your trauma. You don't come there and go like, ah, this and this happened. To me, you, ju you just learn tools on how to cope with the trauma and identify triggers. And uh, what I love it the most was like, uh, um, you know how something bad happened happens to you or someone does something bad to you and then you see somebody who looks exactly like them and then you're triggered with trauma informed yoga we learn how to identify it's not that person you know it's just a trigger this is they're not they're not gonna harm me they don't they, they definitely don't even see me you know like they're they're minding their own business and it's a very nice process nice session yeah one thing that yoga has given me, I'll say it's my life back. So I feel like before yoga, I was upside down and I was gonna head into either drugs, either early marriage, uh, I won't lie, prostitution. I don't know, like maybe die, die from drugs, but kind of yoga gave me back my life. 
because I know the life I wanted but then the situation was giving me my environment my ignorance my non exposure was giving something i didn't want and yoga gave me my life back yoga saved my life literally and my mom's catch more african stories in the next episode of legally clueless how powerful is her story like how i and like we recorded it and then after that I was just like oh my god can we just get into a car and go to Muranga now and record your mom's story as well because that's amazing isn't it so interesting how whatever your destiny is it will almost find you and i know that sounds like such a hippie thing to say and i am a hippie so just bear with me but honestly when you listen to stories like this it's like you were just doing your thing going through life and then your destiny and the thing you're meant to be doing finds you where you are it's it's really just magical to listen to honestly and once you meet catherine you will absolutely fall in love with her. We had a bit of like a mini session and she's so graceful. I have, or at least I thought I didn't have balance, but she was like, no, you actually do have balance because I was doing some of the yoga poses and she teaches you like little, not tricks, but like, things tips actually that you can do to make some of the poses easier for you she really makes me understand even in her story you could hear the emotional side of yoga and how it brings you closer to yourself so i really want you to experience that at our yoga well-being session so 6th of august 10 a.m to 1 p.m it's here in nairobi our first ever event as legally clueless africa so i'm very happy because we've been very intentional with this one we're going to give you some nice yummy lunch tickets are four thousand bob we only have 20 slots only 20 slots because it has to be very intimate and we're going to be doing three things body movements meditation and there's going to be sharing circles as well so head over to legallycluelessafrica.com for more details another thing you should remember for those of you in Kenya, as you can catch us on Trace FM. Yeah, the FM, bam, like that. I can't believe it's been three years. We're, we're in our third year of being syndicated on Trace. Where's the applause? Bring it back. <laughs> and um, yeah, so it's, it's very exciting to still be on there. Trace, our fantastic family. And in time, I'll be sharing more stuff that we're doing with Trace that you'll enjoy being part of but as for now just catch us there every single monday and wednesday at 1 p.m and 11 p.m and every single friday at 1 p.m okay time for me to wrap up this episode thank you so much for listening to the very end and i'll catch you right here next week in episode 175 that's it for this episode of legally clueless you can share this podcast with your friends you can keep it for yourself i'm not judging just make sure you're here next week for the next episode